As a leader in your organization, it's your job to find new ways to make people more effective and efficient. At the heart of employee success lies a deep understanding of individual and team productivity patterns. Unfortunately, this is where so many leaders have trouble scaling their workforce. What's up, people? It's Ryan Leary here from Work Defined, and this is the Use Case Podcast, a series of shows where we talk with tech CEOs and product leaders to discuss the business case for their solution and important trends they are seeing in the market. Productivity and engagement are two areas of work that have taken a massive blow as organizations moved to a more flexible hybrid model. If you're having trouble providing clarity to your employees on what good productivity looks like, then you'll want to stick around because this is what we cover today in our conversation with Sam Nafisi, CEO and founder of ProtoScore. This is William Tincup, and you, you're, thank you for being here. This is Use Case Podcast, Ryan Leary and myself. We've got Sam on today, and we're going to talk all about his company and uh, his approach to the market, etc. So Sam, would you do us a favor and uh, introduce yourself? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm Sam Nafisi, uh, CEO of a startup uh, software company called Protoscore. Okay. Startup. Okay. We got a lot of things to unpack with that, but uh, tell us what uh, what the company does. Why'd you, first of all, why'd you do a startup? And then what is it? What, what are you trying to solve here? What, what's the problem? That's a great question. Why did I do a startup again at my age? <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, Sam. Right? Were you going to say that? I wasn't going to say that. I, I, I'm, I'm a lot older than I look. I'm a lot older than I look. Um, you're, 20, you're 22 to me. Don't worry. Okay, you're good. And no, I, I, I've been in the tech software software space for almost 30 years and took a big, long hiatus from work, long hiatus from work. And I knew the founder of the company really, really well. He approached me uh, as an investor initially. So I basically began helping them out on a financial basis when it was really an idea. It wasn't even a product yet. Right about five years ago, and we began developing the product. And then I joined as CEO about two and a half years ago, three years ago. Okay. So what what are we solving? What's the problem? I always say the algebra, but that's probably a bad metaphor for everybody. But what are, what are, what, what are we solving? What's the problem? And why? what's unique about how we're solving that problem? So we anticipated this kind of, morphing into the hybrid world of work before COVID. We felt that it was happening and we were on that migration. Certainly COVID expedited it and fueled that move to hybrid. So we were fortunate on the timing basis of the the idea that our founder had and the product. And in a nutshell, what we do is we provide employee productivity tools to both the employee and the employer. So really, really on an elevator pitch basis, we provide the employee the flexibility to work from anywhere, home, Starbucks, on a trip, and the employer the accountability it's wanting and craving to allow the employee that flexibility. So it's a win-win. Employee, you can work three days a week from anywhere you want. Right. In lieu of that, give me some accountability that I know you're working. So it's a win-win. And how we do that, William, is we capture all the APIs from the cloud tools that are provided to the employee. Every tool they use, such as email, 
a CRM tool like Salesforce or some right. kind of a telephony like a Vonage or a Ring Central, chat function like Slack. We aggregate all of that using AI and machine learning to provide our tools and its efficacy. Sam, what's the what's the driving factor uh, for someone to look at ProtoScore? Great question. So great question. So I think the first thesis, and I'll give you a couple of real life examples of why our customers initially piloted the product and then adopted it system wide, enterprise wide. Yeah. One thesis is what I mentioned about accountability for the employees and flexibility, and that that thesis. So that's been a big driver. As employees are demanding three, four days of work of remote, or if not all remote, that's been a driver. And we believe that in the corporate tech stack, email, CRM, phone, you're going to have some kind of an employee productivity tool in the next couple of years. It's a new category. People are talking about it. So I think it's going to be brought in. And I'll give you one example, that a real, real client example. A large, large state agency came to us a couple of years ago and said, our employees are reluctant to come to work in the office. They don't want to drive an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. What can we do to mitigate the attrition of the employees, help them work remotely? We piloted the product, I think, with 50 or 75 employees initially. It went to 400 employees. Now it's near 5,000. The entire org is using us almost as a check-in, check-out function. It's part of their daily lives. What does ProtoScore look like? How much productivity am I having? And it allows the employer to say, guess what? We're very comfortable with this remote work, but now we have this kind of accountability tool to make sure it's it's happening. Sam, I was reading an article last night to try it up your alley. It was uh, basically uh, your top performers and women. So, so, Top performers, comma, women, and, and a couple others are uh, really, really, uh, they hate the return to office. And so, you know, when Ryan and I talked about it, we were like, you know, this is kind of a, we're, we might wake up with everyone in the office being kind of the, the, the B team or the C team because the A players, they just don't want to return to the office. And uh, it's fascinating. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it's just fascinating the way the article was kind of leading. It's like, hey, listen, you want if you want to retain your top talent, <laughs> you're going to have to get flexible on a, on return to office. Are you uh, are you kind of seeing some of the same stuff? Completely, completely. Uh, and you hear CEOs demanding to come back to the office. You've seen seen it's not going to happen. I mean, certainly not with the next generation, right? They are averse to it. I think. Again, we believe this was happening, but slower. COVID COVID made it much faster and immediate, basically. By necessity, we had to be remote. And I think people got used to it. Look, just two hours a day of commute has been mitigated. Think about that's 10 hours a week alone (laughs) of being away from your children, from their soccer games, from your wife, your husband. Just that alone, the quality of life improves significantly, and we believe that leads to better productivity. Right. I just, got, a- my cup, I just got my cup of coffee 20 feet away from here. And, I'm <laughs> my desk. and it's better. <laughs> it's better, it's- it's better <laughs> coffee, for sure. It's, it's interesting. There, There's an article I was just reading 
and I, and I forget the name of it. I'll have to get it to reference it later. But this is it's in Australia. They're now mm-hmm. legislating the the um, oh, I forget what they call the damn thing. But essentially, you as an employer, you cannot talk to somebody or reach out to an employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah at yeah, a certain yeah, yeah. after a certain yeah. time, and there's a, a clear delineation, and there's a lot of critics of this as well. Yeah, yeah. In you know, in their ministry and all, but it's it's interesting because one, the the work life balance, like you mentioned, Sam. I and think also, France did that too. France has done it, yes. And then there's yes. the the tech behind all of that, right? That you know that that needs to be adap- adopted in the organization itself to make all of this work. It's it's a really yeah. interesting dynamic, and it's not easy to navigate, right? And Ryan, we do that as part of the many deliverables that we have. One of them is this checked out or burnt out thesis. So we we provide a weighted scoring system. So our AI, machine learning, and large language models deliver a weighted scoring system for each cohort. So the sales team is measured against the sales team, operations against operations, fulfillment against fulfillment, because they have the similar roles, right? And you could see employees that are scoring, let's say over a 75, have a tendency for burnout. So it's a great training tool for management to say, Hey, Ryan, you're working way too hard, too long. Take a day I off. Agree. I agree. <laughs> I do work too hard. This is Ryan's this leaving the podcast say, right now. <laughs> I'll see you later. I mean, shit. <laughs> Time to fish. <laughs> yeah. Go on, man. Exactly. Yeah. So, Sam, I, I'm interested in, in – okay, so in, in the product, as you're, as you're talking to companies that are interested in, in what you're doing – What's the burning question that they are look, are looking to answer mm-hmm. when they're talking to you? Look, so I think I mean, I'll give you a very recent example. A very very large organization is has come to us in in that they've grown way too fast on revenue and on headcount, mm-hmm. and the CEO came to me and said, "Sam, we have no clue what these people are doing. We <laughs> we just." We've grown so fast. Right. And one of the things that we do around that is we help them assess the employee engagement, not just the employee by itself, but mm-hmm. within the within the organization. Oh, that's cool. So what what happens if William is let go? What's the <laughs> ripple effect of that to the organization? I know, I, I know that answer. What, what is it, Ryan? <laughs> Production goes up. The production goes up. Uh-huh. It's true. It's the morale true. goes up <laughs> a little bit. So we're able to provide a lot of analytics at a granular level to employ for the employer and to the employees. One of the great aspects of what I dif- what I believe differentiates us versus other tools out there that we're not big brother. We're not surveillance on the employee. The first thing we do is we train each employee on the platform. We, right. want, we want them to see how their peers are doing. If William is an 80 in the sales department, I'm a 60, and I want to espouse to be William because I know his revenue. I know his outcomes. Right. He's our top salesperson. What is he doing every day to get to 80, and I'm at 60, and I can then mold myself to become right. the next William. The problem in the American in, in any workforce in in, a, in an enterprise setting is is we don't know how to replicate good. 
what is great. what is yeah. good or what is great how do we replicate it what we're doing is we provide granular actual objective data that allows you to replicate good and i think a lot a lot of companies have issues defining what good actually yeah. looks like outside of sales yes outside correct. of sales yeah correct yeah. it's it's interesting Ryan. we we have this saying that a lot of companies are used to what I call lagging indicators. Mm-hmm. At the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, holy cow, what happened? We <laughs> did well. We didn't do well. We didn't meet quota um, versus we're providing them leading indicators. Right. Before you get to the end of the quarter, I could tell you that William is kicking butt. He's really doing well. He's going to hit his numbers because of the metrics I see early in the quarter. We don't right. have to wait till the end of the quarter and say, William hit his quota or didn't, these are the metrics that show you with proven efficacy that you hit your numbers if you do the following things. You know, one of the things I love about what you're doing, Sam, is there's something in it for the employee. A lot of HR tech or work tech, um, Ryan, I see, there's something in it for the company. Mm -hmm. This is performance management 101, right? A lot of reasons that people hate performance management or historically have hated it is because it's just for the company. It's not really trying to make the employee any better. Uh, In fact, it's trying to kind of keep track of the employee and, uh, and then maybe at the, at whatever iteration, give them feedback on how they can get better, but there's no output for them to actually, if they want to be self-improved, they, there's nothing. There's this quarterly, annually. There's this sit down or whatever the Zoom call now, uh, and uh, and it's usually a beat down. Uh, historically, what I like about what you're doing both now and I can kind of even see things on your roadmap. It's like, yeah, we need to do all that for management. We need to give them that insight, but giving the employee as much of that insight as that we can. Uh, again, those that are self starters, they can then do some things. Could you? Could you take us first of all, if I have that thesis right? Could you take us into some of uh, some of the thinking behind that? Yes. Yeah, so you you nailed it, William. I, I'll give you a whole example and a brief you know discussion about our thoughts around 360 reviews. <laughs> right? You mentioned quarterly review, annual review. Hey, I had I had dinner. I had exactly. I had dinner last night with William, my boss. He's happy with me. <laughs> We we had we had drinks we had a cigar tomorrow he's going to review me I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a five very what subjective he's in a good mood I'm in a good in a good mood whatever there is no basis in my score or the other way he gives me a two because we right. didn't go to dinner with him or whatever and I ask the employee say look I'm kicking butt I've done well here why am I a two the three sixty reviews have been without any real metrics. Guess what? We're providing you thousands of data points in addition to all the other things. You know, we're one data point broadly defined. Right. But providing that granularity allows the employee and the employer to have a real relationship around that 360 review and say, here is one of the metrics I'm using to give you a five or a three. And you get a raise or a promotion because of it versus a subjective, I like you, I don't like you. Sam, so okay, so so you're answering my question now, as you're talking. But I'm going to ask this anyway because I want to make sure the audience kind of knows what knows what we're we're talking about, talking about here. I have a friend 
who is with a very large company, healthcare company. I think it's a healthcare company. Is this a I have a friend deal? I have, like a, I have, a, I have a friend. No, no, okay. it's actually a real friend. Yeah, okay, actually, all right. actually, yeah. all right. I think he's a friend. Just want to make he's, sure. he's a human that interacts with me. We'll, we'll, we'll Fair enough. But he, he, Never know. And, and I think it's at a healthcare company, right? Yeah. But he was just, just the other night telling me about performance reviews mm. and how he has to, you know, obviously he, on a scale from one to five, he has his team. But he's only allowed to give so many people a five, so many a yes. two, so many yeah, a three, yeah, yeah. right? Now, I went through this when I was at IBM. We could only give a certain number of fives, and you had to have a one, and you had to have a two, right? You had to have your players. And <laughs> and so he's bothered by this. I'm bothered by But so when you go into a company who's doing this, this is their rock, and they believe in this. How are you or somebody, how, how are you, how is your team, team? selling yeah. into this type of company what's what's the story behind that yeah so look let me back up for a second and explain again our vision of this new category because i think it will, it'll answer your question 20 years ago organizations didn't have a crm tool and there was a lot of pushback and reluctance right Salespeople hated it what are you doing you managing overseeing what i'm doing every day then Salesforce became ubiquitous, and every corporate corporation in America now has a CRM tool, most likely Salesforce or others. Seven, eight years ago, telephone call recordings for sales purposes Gong came about. Right. People were mortified, mortified of Gong. <laughs> Guess what? Gong is now ubiquitous, and every real company has something like a Gong in their tech stack. We believe employee productivity tools, such as, such as ProtoScore, will become ubiquitous in the tech stack. Every company will need it and mandate it. So getting to your question about the organization. So we believe to capture all the tools that they're using right now is going to need a dossier, a depository, a dashboard yeah. for it. We're providing that dashboard for Salesforce, for Vonage, Ring Central, Slack, LinkedIn, DocuSign, email, all of it using AI and machine learning to provide a weighted scoring system to facilitate management's efforts in those reviews, for example. In that analogy of yours, for the reviews, they can log into Salesforce individually and look at information. They can log into the phone records. They can log into email. They could log into Slack. We're aggregating it all. I love this. So the questions I've got, and you can, you can take them any way you want to. One is, what size of company does this work with and what industries this is, does this work with best? Like where, where have you seen so far in the data that you thrive? Like, okay, like Ryan mentioned, healthcare. We thrive in healthcare, but we thrive in big box healthcare. Like, like what have you seen so far in the data? Yeah, so again, it's a three-year-old company, so I don't have a humongous uh, subset, but we've had significant growth year over year. And usually it's an enterprise client. So let's call it 100 plus what we call the middle market. Right. And 500 plus is really where our efficacy, our tool shines. And in our ICPs, our I, I, ideal customer profiles are tech companies that yeah. are using these cloud tools. But um, interesting, a couple of new new verticals have come in. That, so one is one is staffing agencies has, oh, been, has been a huge new vertical for us. 
They're, they use a lot of tech and it's a lot of repetitive work, meaning that there's similar functions they do. The others that's a very new in the last six to nine months is law firms. It's very surprising to us. We've had huge adoption in law firms and are in a pilot right now with one of the largest firms in the country. And it's interesting because not only does hybrid function there, they don't want to come to the office a lot. They want to save on office space, high rent buildings, high rent office space. That's one. It's also repetitive function, lawyers, paralegals, associates, assistants. So that's been another area that we've seen a lot of uh, adoption in the last six, nine months. That's interesting. So Sam, I'm curious to get an idea here of what part of ProtoScore does your client love the most? Great question. So it depends on who the client, client individual is looking at it. So let's say it's a VP of sales, right? It's in that regard. He's looking at his inside salespeople, outside salespeople. He's measuring them individually and seeing the outcomes individually, or he's seeing as at his his team. So he's seeing the his the peers of his team. How are they stack ranking? How are they comparing on a day to day, week to week function? At the executive level, at the C suite level, COO, CFO, CEO, which are the big adopters, they're looking at the enterprise. They want to see the health of the enterprise, right? They're managing 500, 1,000 employees. They don't go to the granular level of the employee. They want to have visibility to the entire operation and what we call the social network, the linking of individuals. We have this unbelievable tool within ProtoScore that delivers on social connectivity within an organization. Right. Network network analysis? Network analysis basically broadly defined. Exactly. Got Got it. Um, I don't want to give away your secret sauce, uh, Sam, but it seems to me that in time you'll be sitting on some wonderful benchmark data, and uh, so that so that when a company joins you again, I'm just I don't know, just thinking about it out loud, that uh, at one point they're gonna they're gonna say, hey, we don't know, fantastic, you can fix that, you get them into, you can know. Oh, by the way, companies like you. Am I am I thinking flying cars here, or uh, or is this already on the radar? I'm smi- I'm smiling because we're hiring William. You're hired. You, any job you want at the company, <laughs> you you literally said our next 12, 18 month roadmap. Look, we all know this. For yeah. AI to work, it needs one thing: data, data, data. Without data, it's useless. Guess guess who has more employee data? in the country than us, unlikely, not many. We, and we have unbelievable rich data of about 100,000 current employees on the platform. Not, wow. just, yeah, not just HR stuff. So obviously there's a lot of companies bigger than us that are capturing HR information. We have right. nothing on HR, meaning we don't have employees, birth dates, genders, none of that. We have their activity with these tools. So we know how they function each day. It's really powerful. So now we're working on using large language models to predict engagement. Yep. So, for example, I and, could, su- and success. Oh, it's all of it because engagement leads to success. Yeah. That's right. And, and William, the beauty is that look, 
I may be disengaged for a week or two because I've had a family emergency. My child is not, is not well. He's not doing well in school. Hey, it's a great thing to reach out to Sam and say, hey, buddy, you're having a tough, take a day off. We feel for you. Send him a box of cookies to his home. Or the other way, I'm burnt out. I'm working 14-hour days. If you don't have visibility to do that, you lose engagement. What's interesting, and Ryan's probably thinking the exact same thing, at one point this becomes a hiring tool. So once you know those things sure. that predict success, right, now you just throw this on the front end as an assessment. And okay. and that person either is that person or not. And if they're not, you just don't hire them. They just don't make the next cut. You said it. We, we, we want to repeat good, right? <laughs> the idea is if, if you know what good or great is, as you said, how can we repeat it? How can we hire within those parameters, those boundaries that we know is good and replicate it? That's the goal of every American, every CEO. We're, we're dying to find good people and repeat that over and over again. So for me, without brand names, without customer names, what are some of the most recent successes? Again, kind of one of the things that you're bringing to bear is you don't have visibility. Now we're going to provide visibility. Okay, fantastic. Now you have visibility. Now what? So I can see kind of there's just different levels of this as, as it un, unpacks inside of an organization and how they're going to use it. Um, and I know Ryan and I are both curious as to, and again, you know, no names or no company names or brands or anything like that, but just success stories. Yeah, I think I mentioned the, the government agency that I, that was going to go remote and in office. So that's one big success we've had in the last couple of years and continue having significant success in the legal, legal vertical, as I mentioned, staffing some very, very large tech companies uh, that are uh, clients of ours and have adopted the tool. I think that if I could take a step back and think of our our fortune to be having a little bit of an uptick and the success we've experienced in the last six to 12 months has been the category becoming more adopted. I think it's just, as I mentioned, the CRM analogy and the gong call recording analogy, employee productivity is starting to be talked about in the corporate world. We right. have a lot of inbound interest. You know, we were picked up in a large art in a long article by Forbes yesterday with significant mention about employee. People are just talking about this. We're sitting here, by the way. We're sitting right. here on this call. Mm -hmm. It's it's become a relevant topic of conversation. And when that happens, CEOs get engaged and, and they don't want to be the one la last standing. They want their companies to have access to this when others in their peer groups are using it. Just like CRM, I remember my sales leaders coming to me in my old company 20 years ago. We got to get Salesforce. We got to get Salesforce. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then my fellow CEOs would say, have you seen this CRM thing? Salesforce is amazing. I think, oh, shit. My sales guy has been telling me about this. <laughs> and, back, and back then they called it Salesforce automation. Yeah. They even called it CRM. Yeah. They, called it C they called it Salesforce automation. And kudos to your PR firm for getting you into Forbes and uh, and, uh, and Bospar. They do a wonderful job. So kudos to them and you for being mentioned. Uh, Ryan, did you have something? Yeah. So I, I want to go back to, to the, 
maybe the exploration process or even not, not maybe even the sales process you want to label it that way but as a buyer i i know i have an issue right i've read about it i've heard it <laughs> what are the questions right like i'm where, i'm where do i start where do i start like what are the questions <laughs> that i ask you what in this process it's a great question yeah so the example I gave earlier, maybe I didn't finish my thought there, and I apologize. Is that we large? Cut company, you off. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but a, a large company grown very, very fast, revenue and headcount is looking yeah. to, is looking to reduce headcount. Right. They're saying our revenue per employee has gone down. We're way too bloated. We want to cut down X percent. Who do we cut down? And what's the ramifications of the business? Look, CEOs say cut 10% and the ramification is I save X dollars on payroll. That's not the only impact. Right. right? The payroll dollars saved is one important item of your RIF, of your reduction in force. However, right. there's a lot of other ramifications that you don't have visibility to. And I think that network analysis and being able to see the connectivity of people, for example, in that analogy is critical it's critical the other again the other reason ceos come to us or the c-suite the decision makers come to us are making sure they're getting the most out of the employees their yeah. payroll dollars are going and providing them the flex like we for example the way we measure productivity in office and remote is by capturing ip addresses right so we have the office ip address as office and we have anything else as remote. So it could be a Starbucks IP, your hotel, your home. We don't care what it is. As long as it's not the office, we consider it remote. Currently, they have no visibility to that. So are my remote employees doing better than an office or vice versa? If they are, great. Let's let them stay home. Do I have, do I know? So that's a big thing that CEOs come to us and say, we're already hybrid. We're only coming to the office two days a week, but I have no clue what they're doing when they're there. And I want to be comfortable that allowing them to be remote is a good thing for them. They love it. The employees love it. I just need some visibility. So that's one big area. Another thing, Ryan, again, there's a lot of things I could talk about the reasons to adopt the tool, but another one is full adoption. So an average employer spends twelve to $1,400 per month per employee on cloud tools. Yep. CRM, email, telephony, Slack, LinkedIn, DocuSign, Vonage. I can name 50 of them. Yeah. Okay. Let's say we don't, have, we don't have a clue of how many are adopted. If I'm spending $100, $200 on Salesforce a month for X number of licenses, but I don't know if it's all being used, Imagine we provide real-time analytics on tool adoption for every one of those tools. Right. Two things. The, uh, the buyer by title, uh, give us some insight into kind of who's buying and who you, you know, now and in the future, but also uh, what questions should they be asking? Because this is new-ish for them. Uh, and for your sales team and everybody else that do, does demos with folks, what what if you could script the questions for them? What questions would you like to to hear? Right. So the the buyer is the C suite, 
usually okay. usually driven by the CEO, but the the you know the COO CRO will probably be the driver of the the demo as you mentioned the proposal the phase like those things right. and the questions that we tend to get very often are one what will be the impact on my culture the first oh. initial just like Salesforce was twenty years ago just oh, like Google first question is what's the impact on my culture. Yeah. And our history shows, our references show that after the initial hiccup and the perspective that, oh my God, what is it? It's unbelievably utilized and adopted. And it becomes a fabric of the day-to-day work life of that organization. Again, if you have good employees, they want to do well. They want right. to see how their peers are doing. And if you've got bad apples, they're going to push back on any tool. With all the respect, they don't want to be there. They're collecting a paycheck only. So that's the culture answer overall. Our history shows that it's not a, it's a non-event. The other one is how do we deploy? What's the deployment process? How invasive is it? And because we capture cloud tools, we're not agent-based. So we're not deploying an agent on your desktop or your laptop. Right. We're, not, we're not measuring your mouse clicks and your keyboard strokes and your camera movements. None of that. We're capturing all the APIs from the cloud tools, all behind the scenes. We deploy within 48 hours. And on most of the tools have a 90-day look back, meaning when we deploy today, by tomorrow's close, you'll see 90 days back. So it gives you a baseline to jumpstart the weighting system of your score. Where where do you guys get the most pushback on this? Yeah, great. Great question, Ryan. I think culture. That's mm-hmm. why I was very open about mm-hmm. it. And I'm the first one to say, yeah. what's the initial concern? By the way, what did I have 20 years ago about CRM? Was culture. I pushed back to my VP of sales. I'm scared <laughs> what the salespeople will do. Guess what? I was scared of Gong. Egg on your face. <laughs> so, I have a perfect example of a 30-year CEO in this space who's pushed back. I see that happening to us now. My, my old company created a new category and had unbelievable pushback for the first few years until the floodgates opened. And everybody wanted to adopt that technology. So I think the culture issue is the number one pushback. And I think... By talking to a current customer, for example, a prospect getting a reference call in, it's immediate, immediately mitigated. Have you have you been asked uh, yet, or do you foresee uh, connecting some uh, HR tech, uh, HR software? You know, because they've got to do time and attendance, they've got to do payroll, the performance, compensation, learning and development. Like, there's all these tools. Like you mentioned, a tech stack. And how much people are spending a PEPM um, for for uh, productivity, but they're they're spending as much, if not more, on HR tech tools uh, to to. So do you like? Question is, I guess, if to boil it down, is do you already have customers asking you about that? Yeah. And or so, do you see that as a part of your future? Yeah. So we have currently have about 85, 90 integrations. Included in which are a number of HR tools. And also another big group are the developers. 
and engineers. So we also integrate with Jira, Jira and GitHub for those guys and, and ADP and a lot of tools that are, the, our goal is to get the entire enterprise. So not just sales or operations or fulfillment, but HR, the developers, the engineers, and have a full suite of kind of tie-ins to the APIs to provide efficacy across the platform. And real quickly on that, when you're when you're doing your integrations, do you do them natively or are you using something like a MuleSoft? No, we're doing them natively. Got it. Got it. So, Ryan, did you have something? No, 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 I was just making a scratch. I was scratching. So my, my, uh, a question that uh, I always ask folks is their their favorite part of the demo. And Ryan touched on it a little bit, but like it's the aha moment. You know that if you can get your sales team gets somebody to this place in the demo, could be a report, could be a feature, whatever. But if you if you know if you get them to there, they're going to go, oh, okay, okay, this is different than what I've seen. What is that for you? A great question, William. A fantastic question because I still sit on occasional demos and oh, yeah. larger opportunities. I want to be involved. And I know where that aha moment is. It, <laughs> it, it takes, and, a, and I'm an impatient CEO going a thousand miles an hour. So like in my mind, I'm saying, get, it's like at the 10 minute mark of the conversation is when the aha moment. And I'm in my mind, get there in the four minute mark, man, please. Yeah, yeah. It's no question for me is when the prospect sees the employee level dashboard in one setting they see everything this employee is doing. And the employees love that because they're also seeing in one setting every bit of their activity also on a timeline. So so not only are we capturing all the tools, we're showing your day. We're showing your lunch break, your coffee break in the afternoon, email sent, Salesforce, Slack chats. It's really with graphs and charts that demonstrate productivity and outcomes within those windows. It's really, really neat. There's a lot of fun aspects of the tool, but for me, that's the big one aha moment early in the demo. Where do you go from here? Yeah, great question. So I was... Look, I'm still, I'm 52 years, I'm an old man, but I'm, I still remain really excited, really. You're, you're younger than me. You're younger no, than me. No, no way. No way. Um, so I'm really excited. I've got a lot of personal capital in. We raised a institutional round with our partners at PSG. They, they've been an incredible partner with us the last year. We're really excited about our prospects. We think this is the, this is the beginning of the hockey stick for the category. By the way, right. I, right. I think yeah. there'll be many winners in the category, and not. And I I hope and I believe we'll be one of those winners. I think the pie is big enough for many companies to be successful. And I think we can differentiate ourselves like we have in our initial nascent to do more and more with data. I truly believe this confluence of our data with AI and the things that are happening around AI could be really transformative to the American workforce. Really believe that. You said American, I was going to go global just for a second because you know you deal with some different privacy stuff elsewhere. Uh, and the market in the U.S. is big enough, you know, anyhow, so you don't really have to go outside the four walls of the U.S., but I'm assuming at one point you're going to be touching on some global enterprises that that want everything. They love everything, but they got, you know, 
employees in Germany or employees in France, they have different, there's, there's different laws there around what you can do, can't do around data. So first of all, have you already run into that? And you're, have you already kind of built a strategy around that or thought, we're just going to stay in the U.S., you know, we're good here. Look, uh, we, we do actually, it's funny you mentioned Germany because there are different laws and we have to, we have to, uh, we have to accommodate for them and, and be yes, in So we have a couple right. of customers in Europe right now, small subset, um, but no question, we're open to a broad opportunity of where the customers come. And if it's an international client with subsidiaries, we are, right. we're having discussions about distribution agreements in Latin America. So we're, we're having very different discussions and, and, hope that this becomes a broad product internationally. Obviously, our current focus is domestic. And as you said, there's plenty to go around here for this to become a very large company. Yeah, you don't have to really go outside of this. Ryan, do you have anything else? I, I was just going to thank you, Sam. I think this yeah. is an amazing conversation. I love 100%. the category. I love where you guys are going. Excited. You want to buy stock? Are you ready? I you... do. I've got like five bucks <laughs> if you want. Hey, no, but I'll tell you, you guys seem like really fun. You guys, I'd love to meet for a drink, cigars, lunch, dinner. And I, this is a fun, cool. dynamic group. Well, thank you. And I love all of those things. We're headed so I, I, I'm down. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you so much. Yeah.